Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. This is take two now. It's always a struggle for Imams on Eid day anyway. So we have our normal preparation to do with the family and just getting ready for Eid. And, and then you think, oh yeah, we've got to do the bayan. What should we speak about? We've got a double whammy today. Eid and then Jummah as well. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept everybody. Increases in our joy and happiness. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala fill your homes and your lives with plentiful barakah. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala become pleased with everyone. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant us inner peace, true happiness, serenity, tranquility, what we're all striving for in the dunya and also in the akhirah. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillahi wa kafa wa salamun ala ibadihi al-ladhina astafa amma ba'd. Fa'audhu billahi min ash-shaytan ar-rajim, bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Inna Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala al-Nabi. Ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu, sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima risaiduru sharif. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad kama sallayta ala Ibrahim wa ala ala Ibrahim. Innaka hamidun majin. Allahumma barik ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala ala Sayyidina Muhammad kama barakta ala Ibrahim. وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد. إيد مبارك تمرنا عثمان صاب أزوال الدباك. I didn't see you there. Hope you have a good Eid, inshallah. You know, in the morning I mentioned the six people throughout the month of Ramadan converted to Islam. They were all at the hands of Marana Uthman صاب. Mashallah. He happened to be here just at the right time. And Alhamdulillah, the masjid continues to provide services to Muslims and non-Muslims as well, Alhamdulillah. It is the promise of Allah and the declaration of the Qur'an that whoever performs a virtuous action, Allah will not allow for that action to go unrewarded. It is the promise of Allah and the declaration of the Qur'an. Whoever performs a good deed, Allah will not allow that action to go unrewarded. I'll say it again. It is a promise of Allah and the declaration of the Quran that whoever performs a good deed, Allah will not allow that action to go unrewarded. So in this world, we do many things for many people. And a lot of times our efforts don't get noticed, don't get appreciated even by the most nearest and dearest ones. Maybe sometimes intentionally, but sometimes unintentionally. They might not acknowledge you, you might not be appreciated. But when we're dealing with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala values, acknowledges, appreciates every single thing you do. And He is Ash-Shakur. We need to learn who is Allah. Allah is Ash-Shakur. Ash-Shakur means the most appreciative one. You found people in your life that appreciate you, that acknowledge you. In, in Eid, we spoke about appreciating the people. Today we're going to speak about, now we're going to speak about how Allah appreciates you. How valued you are in the sight of Allah. We're not talking about in the sight of people, whether people value you or not. Allah values you so much. He loves you and He values you and He has named Himself Ash-Shakur. Why does Allah need to value? Whatever we have has been given to us by Allah. Whatever we do, we will do with His help and His assistance. Despite that, you do something this small and His reward will be so much. You do someone for something, someone something for someone in the world, they'll reward you. They'll give you once, 
Maybe they'll return the favor. They'll say thank you. They'll say Jazakallahu Khairan. Maybe they'll return the favor twice or three times. But you do something once, something small, like say Subhanallah. Say Subhanallah. That Subhanallah, Allah's not going to just pay you back once. He's going to multiply it by 10 times. That's not it. That's not it. He's going to multiply it by 10 times. And you will get the reward of this forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. Not just in the Akhirah, in the dunya first. And this is the area that we are unaware of. Your good deeds will help you and rescue you in your most desperate moments in this world. If you have them. If you have them. The thing is, we don't have any. In Ramadan, we do. After Ramadan, we don't. And the key message today is continue doing good, even if it's something small. Don't give up. Because the good we do is not just for the hereafter. For the hereafter, it's there. But even in this world, when you need the most help, when money can't buy you anything, when you're in a situation where money can't do anything, some people are so poor, all they have is money. Some people are so poor, all they have is money. Some situations, every one of us have faced this before, and Allah protect, but this is just how life works. We face situations in life where money can't help you. It's not about how much money you have. That is a time when your good deeds, if you have any in your reserves, your de good deeds will come and rescue you. And this is how it works. Every good action has a positive reaction. Remember, every good action has a positive reaction. And this is how it works in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn Abi Dunya mentions a story. Two people met in the marketplace. One of them said to the other one, come on, why don't we do this? Look, everybody around us is heedless of Allah. No one's thinking about Allah. We're in the marketplace. Everyone's busy with materialism. Let's remember Allah for a moment. So they spoke about the deen. They spoke about Islam. And that's it. He went his way. The other one went the other way. One of them passed away. So his friend sees him in a dream. He asks him, Ma Allahu bik? How did Allah deal with you? He says, do you know that evening we met in the marketplace? Allah granted me forgiveness because we met that day and we remembered him one time. This is Allah. This is Allah. Whenever you do a good deed, it will never go unrewarded. Never. Allah will not allow. Allah will not allow any good deed to go unrewarded. Whatever you do for the sake of Allah, even if it's small, you think it's small, never. Never belittle a good deed. No good deed is small. In the sight of Allah, nothing is small. It's amplified. In the sight of Allah, it's huge. In the sight of Allah, it's appreciated. You are appreciated. You fasted for 30 days, 29 days. Right? There's two ways we can go about this. At this time of uh, when Ramadan ends, a lot of people get depressed. Oh, I should have done more. I could have done this. I wasted my time. And shaitan really exploits this moment of vulnerability. And shaitan comes and makes you feel so horrible. Oh, I didn't make the most of it. And then what happens is you just think, what's the point? 
I didn't even make the most of Ramadan. What's the point of carrying on? This is shaitan. The flip side is Allah is a shakur. Oh Allah, you gave me the tawfiq. I fasted because you allowed me to fast. Allah is appreciating already, already every single fast you kept. Every day you stood in Tarawih, Allah has appreciated you already. You will see the fruits of this in dunya and you will see the fruits of this in your grave. You'll see the fruits of this in Akhirah. Every ayah of the Quran you recited, every pound and penny you gave in Sadaqah, every act of volunteering, charity, help, every truthful word you spoke, Allah has appreciated it already because he is a shakur. That's his task. He has called himself the most appreciative one. He wants, he appreciates so much. Hakim bin Hizam rahmatullahi, a great Sahabi. He once comes to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam. Now before he accepts Islam, he was extremely generous. Very, very generous. He'd, he'd really take care of people. So when he accepted Islam, he asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam, and this is all Prophet of Allah. Do you know prior to me accepting Islam, I did a lot of good things, a lot of charity work before I accepted Islam. Will I get rewarded for that? I wasn't a Muslim then. Will I get rewarded for that? The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, Aslamta that is what drove you to Islam. Your charity work is what brought you to Islam. Allah's already rewarded you for that good work you did. And this was a non-believer. He was a non-believer. Let's take it a level further. Let's take it a level further. Non-believer, his good deeds drove him to Islam and he becomes a Sahabi. Let's go a little bit further now. We've all heard the name of Abu Lahab. Lahab means flame because he had a very fair complexion and he had rosy cheeks like a flame. When you look at him, you think that there's a flame igniting in his cheeks. Thus, he was known as Abu Lahab, the father of the flame. Uncle of the Prophet also his arch enemy as well as we know. The day the Prophet, this is in Bukhari by the way, the day the Prophet was born, we're speaking about the blessed Mawlid here. When the Prophet is born, the slave girl of Abu Lahab, her name was Thuwayba. She came running to Abu Lahab and she gave the good news. Master, master, your brother has had a baby. You are an uncle. Your brother, late brother Abdullah, the father of the Prophet had passed away. You have a new nephew. And in celebrating the birth of the Prophet rejoicing upon the blessed Mawlid. This is in Bukhari, by the way. Abu Lahab became so excited. He said, Thuwayba, he pointed his finger. I set you free. You are no longer a slave girl anymore. You are free, go. His brother, who is also the uncle of the Prophet Abbas radiallahu anhu. Again, I say, this is in Sahih al-Bukhari. Sees Abu Lahab in a dream. We know how Abu Lahab was. He became a true enemy of the Prophet Allah revealed regarding him, Tabbat yada Abi Lahabin wa tab destruction for Abu Lahab. He's going to be in the hellfire, we know. When Abbas sees him in a dream, he asks him the same question. Ma bik? My brother, how are things over there? How are things in the afterlife? Abu Lahab responds. Again, I say this is in Sahih al-Bukhari. He says, it's very difficult. I am burning in the fire of hell. However, that one good action I did in the world, of setting the slave girl free, 
upon rejoicing on the birth of the Prophet Because of that, every Monday, it was a Monday, every Monday, I am given a marginal reduction in my punishment. And Allah gives me between my thumb and my finger, some little droplets of water to drink. Even though he's in Jahannam, he was a staunch kafir, but his good that he did in the world is still benefiting him, even if it's a marginal benefit. What is to say if you believers, people who profess in La ilaha illallah, who love Allah and His Rasul sallallahu alayhi wasallam, who fasted the whole of the month, who stood in Qiyam and Taraweeh, who recite the Quran, who try to practice the Sunnah, who love the deen of Islam. If we carry on doing good, won't Allah bless us way more than that? So the key message is, yes, Ramadan has come to an end, but let's not let our good actions come to an end. Carry on doing good because Allah will know Allah will not allow any good deed to go unrewarded. It will benefit you in this world and also benefit you in the hereafter as well. We all know Surah Al-Baqarah, the first Surah in Quran, Surah Al-Fatiha. I'm not starting Baqarah by the way. Surah Al-Baqarah is a long surah. We're not going to do that. You know, actually, it reminds me. There was a Sahabi, radiallahu anhu, Mu'ad radiallahu anhu. He led the Isha prayer one day. Isha. And in Isha prayer, he started reading Surah Al-Baqarah. He actually read Surah Al-Baqarah. You know how long it is. And people were like, some people were fainting. Some people halfway through, they had to leave the Salah. They couldn't, like, it's just too long. And the Prophet wasallam found out, Baqarah is long, very long. And the Prophet wasallam called him, Mu'ad, is this true? You, you read Surah Al-Baqarah in Isha Salah? He says, yes, O Prophet of Allah. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Afaddanun anta ya Mu'ad? Afaddanun anta ya Mu'ad? Afaddanun anta ya... Mu'ad, you want to cause fitna in the people? You want to cause fitna in the people? He kept repeating it. Afaddanun anta ya Mu'ad? You want to cause fitna in the people? Baqarah is huge. That's not what you read in your salah. You try and keep the salah to an average. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, when he would be leading the salah, and if he heard a baby crying, in the gathering, baby. So babies would come to the masjid in the time of the Prophet as well. He would shorten the salah because he's thinking, oh no, the mother is probably distressed because the baby is crying. Let me shorten my salah. And he would quickly shorten the salah. He was considerate. Now, in Surah Al-Baqarah, there's a whole story about the cow. And what happened was there was a murder that took place in Bani Israel. And Allah told Musa salam, there were no forensics at the time. So he told him, if you want to know who the murderer is, simple, sacrifice a cow, take a piece of flesh of the cow, strike it on the murdered person, he'll stand up and tell you who the murderer is. So that's all they had to do. But the Bani Israel decided to be open, ask loads of questions, what color should the cow be? How old should the cow be? What type of cow? Is it the one for farming? Is it for agriculture? Is it the one that's got spots on it or no spots on it? What color should it be? What type should it be? Too many questions. Anyway, long story cut short. After a long time, and lots of searching and they made it difficult for themselves it has to be a striking yellow cow not used for farming and it's not old and it's not young and it's not too fat and it's not too thin anyhow after so much searching they eventually found this cow and it was by a young boy who lived with his mother in the middle of nowhere and they go we need this cow i'm not going to sell it to you this is my means of livelihood so we need this cow we're in a desperate we will pay you know when sometimes you get into life and you reach a situation 
and there's only two doctors in the whole country that can treat you or you get into a situation where nobody around you can help you and you reach a, and you're willing to give every single life saving that you have that's the situation these people they were willing to give every penny and he said fine if you really want to pay for it the weight of gold of the cow you need to give the weight of the cow in gold they had to do it they needed it Anyway, long story cut short, that's, we're not interested in that part of the story. The part of the story we're interested now is how did a poor boy living in, in a farm in a remote area overnight, how did he become a millionaire? How did a young boy living in poverty overnight he becomes a millionaire? And the scholars mentioned this was because he was very dutiful towards his mother. Being obedient to his mother, he saw the fruits of it in this dunya. Allah blessed him and showed him that when you show kindness to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to the creation of Allah, not only will you be blessed in the hereafter, Allah will reward you and rescue you in this world in your most critical moments. We hear in the stories of Sahih al-Bukhari, where the Prophet tells us about those three people that got stuck in a cave. So like it's raining outside today, one day it was raining, it was raining heavily. These three people, they were traveling. And whilst they were traveling, it started to rain. The rain became intense. It was pouring down. And they saw an opening in a cave. So they th they run into this cave to get shelter. Whilst they're inside the cave, a massive boulder, it falls. And it blocks the entrance of the cave. And now they're stuck inside. And you and I face times in life when we are stuck in life as well. Looks like there's nowhere to go. It's just dark. Who do we turn to? What's the solution? How are we going to get out of this mess? So all three of them, what they started to, they realized, they tried pushing the boulder. It wasn't enough. They couldn't. Their strength, their physical strength wasn't enough. Their credit cards wasn't enough to get them out now. None of this worked. They're stuck inside. So they decided, why don't we do this? Why don't we use the intervention of our good deeds? I want you to imagine for a moment, what if you were the fourth guy there? What if you were the fourth person in that cave? All three of them decided, think of a good deed that you've done in your life only to please Allah. And through the power of that good deed, this is using the intervention of good deeds to invite the mercy of Allah. Established in Sahih al-Bukhari. So they started to think, think of a good deed you've done, which is sincere only for the sake of Allah, and then make dua to Allah through the intervention of that good deed. That Allah, because of this good deed, protect us. So they started to think. And I, whilst I'm telling you this story, I want you to think about what good deed you would present had you been in that cave as well. What if you were the fourth person? Can you think of a good deed that would be powerful enough to save you? Because if we have a reserve of good deeds, they will come to rescue us in our darkest moments when we need them the most. When the worldly powers can't do anything, these good deeds are going to save you in the grave. They're going to save you on the day of judgment. And they're going to save you when it's time to be deciding to go Jannah and Jahannam. Don't you think they can save you in this world as well? Of course they can. If they can save you on that day of horror, of course, but we need to have them. The issue is Ramadan comes, Brilliant. Ramadan goes and our good deeds go as well. The key message is continue doing good, even if it's small, even if it's little. 
Don't wait for the motivation. Don't wait till you feel like it because that's not how it works. We need to have other systems in place. We can't rely on motivation. We can't rely on just feeling like it. It needs to be something that we program into our lives, whether we like it or not. Even if it's something small, we just do it. Whether you enjoy doing it or we don't enjoy doing it. Anyhow, the first person said, Oh Allah, I had elderly parents. And I had this habit that I would come back from work, I would make sure that I present them something to eat and something to drink, put them to bed. They were very old. He says, one day I got delayed at work. He used to work in the forest. There were too many trees to cut down. By the time I came home, my parents had fell asleep. So I thought, oh no, they've not had anything to eat and they're dependent on me. So he's, he stood by their bedside the whole night with a bowl of milk. Just in case if their eyes open, I'm there to serve them. He says, I didn't eat the whole night. Oh Allah, if I did this action just to please you, save us. Guess what happened? The boulder, the rock started to move. These actions were so powerful, they moved rocks. The rock moved, but it wasn't enough for them to escape. The second person speaks and he said, Oh Allah, you know very well, I had a cousin sister. I was deeply, madly in love with her, infatuated. I tried on so many occasions to try and commit zina with her, but she always escaped. One day she came to my house and she said to me, cousin, I need your help. I need some money. I've got myself into debt. I'm in trouble. I, need, I said, yeah, of course I'm going to help you. I took out the money and I said, I'll help you as long as you agree to commit zina with me. Out of her desperation, she agreed. We got into a room. She stripped, I stripped. We're about to commit the actual act of zina. And she said, cousin, please fear Allah. Don't do this in a haram way. At that time, her words penetrated into my heart and I moved away and I let her go. I said, take the money. I'm sorry for what I've done. Oh Allah, on that day, if I stopped committing that haram action, just for your sake, save us from where we are now. Guess what happened? The rock, massive rock starts to move. Your good deeds will help you in your darkest moments if you have them. But if I don't have any good deeds, how is he going to rescue me? But it still wasn't enough for them to escape. The third person said, Oh Allah, I used to work on a farm. Many people came and worked for me. There was one particular guy. He worked for me for many years. And then he left. Circumstances didn't allow him to continue. But he didn't take his final wage pack. It stayed with me. Now I could have spent it on myself or invested it uh, into my own properties. But instead I invested his wage into the business. And he started to grow and he expanded and he expanded and he expanded. Years later, he remembered that, oh, so-and-so owes me money. You know, sometimes when you're in a situation and you think, where can I get, make some more pennies and pounds from? And you start thinking if anybody owes you any money. Because, oh yeah, so many years ago I worked for this guy. Let me go and ask him if he still has my money. He turns up. By this time, his little wage had been invested and it became a farm. So he goes to him, hey, I work for you. Do you remember? Yeah, of course I remember. Where's my money? Give me my money. He goes, there's your money. And he's pointing to a whole farm of sheep and cattle and land. And he says, there it is. He goes, don't mess around with me. Stop messing around. He goes, no, no, this is it. Because no, 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 I only work for you for a period of time. 
I just want my money, that's all. Stop messing around with me. Because not this is your money. I invested it and this is what it's become. And he says that, Oh Allah, you know he took everything. He didn't leave anything behind. Oh Allah, if I did this just for you, save us from this tragedy that we're in. Hadith of Sahih al-Bukhari, the Prophet wasallam says, the rock moved and every one of the three people managed to escape. I ask you, if you were the fourth guy, if you were the fourth person in that cave, which action? Do we have an action that we would have presented that we've done only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? So the message is this. Whenever you do a good deed, it is never unrewarded. Allah will not let any action go unrewarded. So whatever good we've done, the key thing is let us continue doing whatever good we can. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala allow us to continue, make an intention inshaAllah that we've been punctual on our salah throughout the month of Ramadan. Let's not give up on our salah. Everyone's going to keep up on it inshaAllah. Make a plan. How can we ensure that we don't miss a salah? How can we ensure that we can stay connected to the Quran, stay connected to the masjid? If we can fast maybe one day a month, two days a month, three days a month, we fasted 30 days and it was so easy, wasn't it? Yes, so every month we try and do whatever's within your capacity. Don't let shaitan tell you you're a bad person because you're not. Allah doesn't think you're a bad person. Allah loves you. He values you. He appreciates even the smallest good deed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us a tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin.